This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Greetings and salutations. Ooh, Papa do, and how do you do? I am the great P.T. Flea. <laughs> I'm in need of your assist. Oh, let's just cut to the chase. Live from Joe's mom's half-finished basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we're kicking off Memorial Day weekend in the USA with one roller coaster of a show. Please welcome from Theme Park Insider, Robert Niles. Also, we'll share headlines about money disorders, throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky caller, and scramble up some theme park trivia. And here they are, the two lovable carnies operating this funhouse, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Carney, we own this place, man. I'm trying to imagine what kind of carny I would be. Like the guy who doesn't give a crap on the tilt-a-whirl. Tickets. Tickets. Or the guy that doesn't give a crap at the fun house, or the guy that doesn't give a crap at the at the swirling uh, thing of death, right? <laughs> the swirly thing of death, right? I like the tilt whirl when they go around in a circle really fast, and then the floor drops out. Oh, yeah, they called that the they called that the rotor, and then you always feel like you're slipping. Well, you probably are, and yeah. then the person down, like six down from you just yaks and it <laughs> goes everywhere. Hey, everybody. No! <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Stacky Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salci. Hi, average Joe Money. Yak on this on Twitter. Uh, uh, across uh. the table from me, the yacker himself is uh, the oh, one and only OG. Merry go round, <laughs> man. We got a fantastic. This is one of my favorite shows of the year with Robert Niles here. But you know what I like best about it? I like the fact that we can send people to a couple great sponsors like SoFi. How about that one? 
if you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SOFI, you know what you're going to find there, OG? They're the leader in marketplace lending, helping you with student loans, personal loans, mortgages. You point your browser to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SOFI, and they'll ask you what type of help you're looking for. And from that point on, you just fill in a few details about you. And like our friend Dan Macklin over at SOFI says, in a few seconds, in most cases, you'll know everything about how they can work with you. You can pick from different terms, check out interest rates and variable and fixed rate options and get the ball rolling. In fact, they're going to throw in a hundred bucks if you use our link for personal loans or for student loans. How about that? A hundred bucks. Stackofbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. And the place that calls them number one whenever you go there. Stackofbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Recent Reddit user called Magnify Money numero uno. Probably didn't say numero uno just FYI, said number one when it comes to places to go to check more of the credit card stuff, loan stuff, savings account stuff, and checking account stuff. I'm sure they didn't call it that. But anyway, to check all that stuff in one place, 92% of all the stuff that's out there is all at Magnify Money. And the next highest is this uh, loser place with only someplace in the mid-60s percent, like 65, 66%. So when you're comparing those products you use every day for your financial picture, why would you just walk into a bank or go to the 65% place when the 92% place is right there? Average person saves $450 in either interest, lower fees, higher interest if it's savings, Great stuff. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. All right. We got Robert Niles coming down to the back. Actually, we're going to have him on the shortwave, but big deal. He's probably out at a theme park for all I know. We're just going to call this guy up and I bet we'll talk to him on a roller coaster. But uh, roller coaster of an episode coming up. So let's get this ball rolling. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Ring It Plus, which is where we get all of our we get all of our big headlines from Ring It Plus. But this is important. Do you have one of these four money disorders? It says your mental health. Probably. Yes, correct. Your mental health may be more affected by your finances than you think. Here are some documented disorders related to how you manage your money. First one is hoarding. What a money disorder that is. Well, it is though, right? Absolutely. I'm sure you've worked with a client or two and I know I have and certainly we've read about them, right? The person who has been a miser their entire life and dies with $77 million and they were eating like, you know, a cup of water and a piece of bread every day. You know, hoarding, I think, is as bad as uh, the other side overspending. It says for some people, the stockpiling of money or objects gives them a sense of security safety, and a temporary relief from anxiety. But you find that the more you hoard, the worse that anxiety gets. I've had that happen when I was out whoring. Um, (laughs) I felt good for a while. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) I felt bad about myself. (laughs) The only thing I could take away the pain was to do some more whoring. Hoarding. Different word. Uh, second is compulsive buying. This one, I I have to tell you, I personally have gone through some streaks of compulsive buying. 
you know? Not me. <laughs> yeah. 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 You'd never have. Compulsive buyers have the distorted belief that shopping's the only activity that provides escape from worry and anxiety. You know, there's a, there's a, what is that rushy, the dopamine rush that you get yeah. from buying stuff? I mean, it does. It gives you, science has shown it that buying stuff gives you this little high. And the quicker you can find a way to get over that, the better. Yeah. I don't disagree with this, but I would also add that it increases the worry and anxiety because then all of a sudden now you have this stuff that, Maybe two hours ago or two days ago, you thought it was a good idea. I mean, I don't want to. I don't no, want to make light of these because for some people, this is a serious illness, right? But for the average person, when they've got compulsive buying, I've found that when I have my goals in front of me, compulsive buying goes away, right? Yeah. But if my goals aren't in front of me, my longer term goals, what I really want, if I don't keep those in front of me, that's when compulsive buying seems to well it sneaks in because you you forget what you're really trying to do. Right. Right. Like if I'm comparing the sweater today versus, you know, what I really want in a year or, or six months or mm -hmm. maybe a nice vacation, whatever that may be. Here's, here's a couple others. Workaholism. Workaholics believe that their self-worth is tied directly to their net worth. This one, this one really, I've had several clients that suffered from this one where they just had to keep working and keep working. They had plenty of money. And they didn't necessarily like their job. They just thought they had to get a little more and a little. And you could tell it was more of a, of a, an addiction than it was loving your job, right? There's people that work a lot, and I know it's because they love what they do. This isn't right. that. This is people like I just need a little more. I just got to work a little more. Just got to just. Ugh. Yeah, tough one to break there. Those with this affliction might have the tendency to show off their status by buying expensive things, or conversely, be overly vigilant in their spending, such that they never buy anything unless absolutely necessary. I had a I had a client once who was misdiagnosed and thought he was going to die in the next couple of years. He was a workaholic. And the second that he thought he was going to die, he decided to stop working all the overtime. They wanted to go to Alaska on this big vacation, he and his spouse. And I saw the two of them the happiest that I'd ever seen them. And then he found out he was misdiagnosed and he immediately went back to work. And I thought, what, what, what happened to all of this happen? It, it sounds horrible, but he, he, he seemed like a better person to me when he thought he was going to die. And the last one here, pathological gambling. Char <laughs> characterized by an inability to resist the impulse to gamble, a pathological gambler can be difficult to distinguish from somebody who simply gambles too much. Whereas somebody who gambles too often but not compulsively can still be said to gamble more than they should. A compulsive gambler pattern of behavior is much more self-destructive. I don't think I've run into this person that that often. Yeah, you know, there might be somebody you know. <laughs> I got two to one odds. You might, they might be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. with you. I bet you you do know somebody. <laughs> no, not at all. An addicted. I, I don't know that I've ever ever met anybody like that. Yeah, either. Yeah, I mean, I know they exist, and I've read about them, and I've sure. seen them. People that can't get away, and you see the big signs that you know when you're in areas with casinos. I just read a thing that you can ask the casinos to ban you. You can voluntarily ban yourself from the casinos for a period of time, so that if they see you, they'll kick you out based on you know in a moment of levity you decided that uh, that was a good thing to do type of thing. Because you can't help yourself. Yeah, you can't help yourself, so you yeah. can like voluntarily ban yourself from the casino, and they'll they'll toss you out. Right. I'll I'll link to those on the show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Some big disorders people suffer from, and actually on that note, is this a disorder? 
This is last week from Bloomberg. Rich retirees are hoarding cash out of fear. According to this piece, OG, a new study finds that many U.S. retirees keep saving even after they're retired. The average American over age 60 cuts spending 2.5% per year, about 20% over a 10-year period, according to an analysis of University of Michigan survey data by financial planning software company United Income. As a result, millions of Americans are living too frugally. How about that? Retirees not spending their money. Is that hoarding? Is that what that is? Because it gives them a mm-hmm. sense of security? Yeah, probably a little bit. I also think that for a lot of people, especially the folks that are just retiring right now, you know, might be 63, 65, somewhere in there. Just 10 years ago was when the recession happened. So they were smack dab in the middle of that peak earning years, making the final push. And then they watched the stock market go down by half in a span of, uh, you know, 13 or 14 months. So they're probably a little more petrified than, uh, than their cohorts a decade or so before them. Is it also partly that we've had this big run up in the stock market and they're thinking that the other shoe might drop? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's pretty wild. In fact, they say that more Americans are dying, of course, with more money than they used to, adding to the increasing inequality that flows from inherited wealth. United Income analyzed the estates of people who died between 2000 and 2002 and compared that with people who died between 2010 and 2012. Although the latter group had just lived through the financial crisis and worldwide recession, their estates were 130% bigger just 10 years later. People dying with a lot more money. Yeah, that's uh, that's not my goal. <laughs> no, no, but 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 I guess I guess the point here is isn't that what really doing your financial plan is all about? Is you're sitting on all this money, maybe because of fear. We talked about hoarders and how you get this sense of security. Maybe it's because we've had the run up and the other shoe's gonna drop. But I think it's also partly people don't know how much they can spend and still feel safe. We talk with clients a lot about the balance between saving for the future and spending money now, right? I'm a big believer in doing things that help with your family well-being, right? Doing family-type activities, whether it's a family trip or an extended uh, family reunion type of thing where, you know, y'all meet at the beach or something like that. Having the opportunity to do that with the people closest to you, I think replaces a whole bunch of selfish things like, you know, large TVs and Xboxes and fancy cars and that sort of jazz. Like I would much rather spend it on engagement with my family around. But a lot of times uh, you're right. You don't have the idea of how much I can spend or if you're a saver, you know, if you're still in a uh, up and coming as it, as it were, you don't know how much you should spend today versus save. And so the benefit of having a well-written financial plan, of course, is that, you know, here's how much I need to save every year. I know that I'm checking in on it every, you know, every six months or a year to make sure that I'm still on track so I can make small changes or adjustments over the next 15 years. But then as you get closer to retirement and into, you've got a realistic idea about how much you can really, really spend yeah, every I, year without having to worry about it. Yeah, and maybe people's goal is a bigger legacy, but I don't think so. I mean, I I don't think estates are. Well, it is, but then you want to define it, right? That's right. that would be my challenge, right? If you said, "Hey, I want to, you know, well, I just want to leave money to my kids," I'd say, "Great, that's fantastic. Let's make sure that we do that, but let's define what that looks like, and yeah. not just, you know, it's going to be something. It's going to be some dollar amount." 
I don't um, think estates are 130 percent bigger though, because people are looking more at a legacy than they were 10 years earlier. No, I, I just not. I don't think so. I think it's kind of a rational fear is is where sure. I would put it. Yeah, mm-hmm. a very interesting statistic, and you know there's more to come there. There's definitely more that we're going to be reading over the next uh, year, five years, ten years on that topic. I'll link to both of these on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. But I think the lesson is, is that, man, there's money phobias that people have. The one that bothers me the most is probably the workaholic. The workaholic drives me crazy. Can't um, get those years back, can you? Yeah, yeah. You're going to miss all this time with, with people you love and, and doing things that you love instead in a job that, you know, might love you, might not. And then the second lesson, I think, is... Not sure how much you can spend in retirement. I think it's probably time for you to maybe just run some numbers instead of hoarding cash. It's time for one of my favorite segments of the year. We're going to walk over the shortwave here and talk to Mr. Theme Park Insider himself. OG, you looking at going to the theme park this summer? I think we've got a couple more years before we get to do that because now we got that little bundle of uh, expenses. Love. I mean, joy. <laughs> that, uh, like, that does, or as my middle son calls her, the fun sponge. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be because she soaks up all the sucks fun. Sucks up all the fun, yeah. Yep. I, uh, I like that. He come up with that on his own? I don't know. I think so. That's pretty yeah. good. Uh, Robert Niles is Mr. Theme Park Insider. I'm going to be headed to Disney in January, so I'm excited about this. Not going to a theme park this summer, probably, but whether you're going this summer or anytime soon, you're just looking for where the deals are or where the best value is, Robert knows all those things. So we're going to do our annual check-in, kicking off a little early Memorial Day weekend. Let's walk over to Shortwave and talk to Robert Niles, Mr. Theme Park Insider. Broadcasting from somewhere outside. Let's go over to my dad shortly. Robert Niles is back. I feel like, Robert, this is our annual discussion. Welcome back. What better way to kick off the summer? I know. I love it when you're here because it means that the good times are about to roll. So t- Absolutely. So tell me, Robert, 2017, what's the theme? The theme is Clash of the Titans this year. Uh-oh. We've got a big Disney versus Universal battle happening in the theme park capital of Orlando. It's going to be a good summer for theme park fans as a result. Well, we got to start with Disney because you know me, that's the one I'm excited about. So we got we yeah. got we got to satisfy the host here that you're obviously talking about Avatar Land. Correct. Uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar, which uh, is opening up this summer at uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom at the Walt Disney World Resort outside of Orlando. So tell us what that's all about. Is that something people want to get in on right away or is that something that uh, we should wait till the crowds die down? My advice to people always is if you're not one of those people who feels like you have to be the first to be on anything, always wait for the crowds to die down particularly with Disney, where things get really crazy for the first couple of weeks and definitely the first day. It's going to be the same attraction this time in the fall or this time next year as it is on opening day. So, you know, don't worry about being first unless you're into that sort of thing, in which case, hey, you're familiar with waiting in line, so I don't need to tell you anything. Well, what's cool about Pandora, though, Robert? Is there? Uh, give us some idea of the attractions that we're going to want to hit. This isn't so much about 
thrills and the physical experience as it is the visual experience. This might be the most beautiful thing that Disney's ever created. And when you think about some of the stuff that they've made in the past, I mean, that's that's pretty amazing standard to meet. Uh, it's just really about creating that amazing visual of the world that James Cameron created in the film Avatar with the floating mountains and the flying banshees and the bioluminescent forests and all of that stuff. Disney's made that real at Animal Kingdom. So it's going to start glowing at night. You've got these big things that look like floating mountains 100 feet above you. Uh, so you've got this incredible environment in addition to a couple of rides that they've put into this that uh, I'm sure are going to be very popular as well. When you mentioned at night, a lot of people might not know that lately Animal Kingdom has been open at night. Is that changing yeah. the crowd situation at night at the other parks like the Magic Kingdom? I don't know that it necessarily changes it versus what it was before, but it definitely changes it to what it would have been otherwise. If we start talking about things like opportunity costs here, that uh, really I think this is something that is helping to soak up the increasing attendance at the Walt Disney World Resort. I mean, it slowed a little bit from some of the uh, increases in the past. So I think this is going to draw more people into it. Uh, so it's just more about sucking up excess crowds than it is really diverting crowds from other parks because they've got a new fireworks show coming up at the Magic Kingdom, which is debuting for this summer. So that'll keep people moving in over there. It seems like they're always running some food festival at Epcot. So people are always at that park. Really where they're coming from is Hollywood Studios because so much of that park is down under construction as they build Star Wars Land and Toy Story Land to open in 2019 and beyond. I know. I can't wait to talk to you. Then 2019, that's, that seems like so far away, but it's right around the corner. Two years. Yeah. So Disney has the right hook with Pandora. Universal jabs back then with what? Volcano Bay. It's their water theme park that they've built on site, on the property this time. It replaces that old wet and wild park that was on the other side of the interstate. It was really, I mean, actually, that was the first water park. That's what started that whole trend. But it was, you know, pretty generic, pretty basic. It's a template that's been repeated a lot. But with Volcano Bay, they're going more for a theme park feel. They've got a 200-foot volcano in the middle of the park that's going to have water slides coming out of it and much more of, I'd say, a well-decorated, upscale type of service-oriented feel as opposed to what you get in a traditional water park like Wet n' Wild. That sounds like a lot of fun. You know, my problem at Universal sometimes has been their pricing structure. How's that going to be priced, Robert? Well, the uh, one-day tickets for that are pretty reasonable. I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but yeah. they're well under $100, which is you know well below what you're paying for one day at Disney or Universal at this point. But mostly they're going to try and package that in with you on a multi-day ticket, whether it's a three-day or four-day ticket that includes what they're now calling all three parks at the resort. And then incrementally, you can add that for, for not that much more money. And one of the big advantages that they've got there is that they're going with, uh, basically, there aren't any standby lines. It's all going to be basically a ride reservation system. They're going to give you a little wow. you know, wearable that you put on your wrist. It looks kind of like a uh, you know, tropical-themed uh, you know, Apple Watch. And you just go up and you're going to tap it at the entrance to every queue, and it'll tell you, It'll alert you when it's time to come in and go on and ride so you don't actually have to physically wait in the line for anything at the park. Wow. So there's because I know traditionally uh, Universal's had the upsell to get something like that. This is for everybody. Well, the upsell that they've had, the Universal Express, is something where you can just kind of go in and ride on demand. This is more like Disney's FastPass system gotcha. where you're still waiting, but it's basically they've trademarked the term virtual line. 
So it's a virtual wait as opposed to an actual physical, I'm in a queue, you know, shuffling along with people in front and behind me wait. I like that so much better. Yeah. If we go down the road just a little bit, I know that uh, SeaWorld's had a ton of issues. What do you think is going to end up happening at that park? Right now, it just seems like SeaWorld, which used to be, you know, number two to Disney, a little bit ahead of Universal, it's now slipped down and it's on that same tier with the Bush Gardens parks, which they also own the Cedar Fair parks and the top level of the Six Flags park. So it's really kind of slipped from that, you know, not quite Disney, but still national appeal to more of a regional theme park level, which is fine. I mean, people are making a lot of money on that level. A lot of people are coming in. But I think when the annual attendance report comes out, and we're expecting that really, you know, any day now, uh, we're going to see that the top nine parks in America, the Disney and Universal parks, all of them are going to be close to double the attendance of the number 10 park, which I'm expecting to be SeaWorld Orlando. So there's a huge gap now between Disney Universal and everyone else. Well, and before I ask you about the regional theme park business, Robert, I got to ask, and I ask this every year and you give me the same answer every year. Are there (laughs) any real deals I can get when I'm trying to buy Disney tickets or Universal tickets? Um, There are deals. I don't know that I would call them real significant, (laughs) substantial deals. Uh, The value you're going to find is in packaging, is looking for not just the straight up tickets themselves, but the tickets bundled with hotel rooms, possibly with airfare, usually just with their on-site hotel rooms, maybe with dining packages as well. If you've got some flexibility on when you can visit, they do do some discounting on packages. Otherwise, with that, we actually have a thing on our website if if you just uh, look for our, our tips page that tells you where you can buy discount tickets. Really, it comes down to check with your AAA, your auto club, if you've got on that. If you're part of a credit union or you've got some student union or employee uh, ticket discounts, check with them. You might be able to save a couple of bucks from off of a ticket, but nothing that's really substantial. Not the deals that you'll see at regional theme parks where you can get tickets for half price on a pretty consistent basis. Yeah, I was going to say because you said in the past that all those hold true for regional theme parks on a much, much bigger scale. What's the hotness now at regional theme parks? This is where some of the fun is. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit of a interesting battle shaping up in Southern California where Six Flags Magic Mountain is installing that Justice League Battle for Metropolis ride that we've seen installed at some of the Six Flags parks around the country. So uh, Disneyland's putting in a big Guardians of the Galaxy attraction, but uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain up the road is countering with Justice League. So we've got kind of a superhero battle happening in Southern California. But elsewhere around the country, it really is just about roller coasters this year and the continued expansion of virtual reality with roller coasters as well. Um, We've got a couple new good uh, wooden coasters coming in at uh, Busch Gardens Williamsburg in Virginia and Kings Island in just outside Cincinnati, Ohio, which are appealing to kind of the traditional roller coaster fan. But uh, we mentioned SeaWorld Orlando before. They're going virtual reality with their... um, Kraken roller coaster, and we're seeing some of the Six Flags parks around the country kind of um, change up the offerings that they've got on their virtual reality coasters because you can keep swapping out the media on those things to make them new adventures, and a lot of those parks are doing that too. Well, you were reporting on those here last year about Six Flags going big with uh, virtual reality across the country. It sounds like if more people are doing it, that must have been a massive hit. I think it was uh, creatively a big hit. A lot of people who go on it enjoy it. The trouble is operationally, it's been a real pain. It's really slowed down the load time on the uh, coasters that have had that. And, and Six Flags put this not on their top line, really popular coasters. This was a way to refresh some of their older coasters that uh, uh, had fallen out of favor with a lot of fans. 
But still, we're looking at pretty slow load times with that, which is why SeaWorld Orlando, they they say they've come up with a different way of deploying virtual reality on its coaster that won't have the same type of operational difficulties that Six Flags has, Six Flags has encountered. Recently, I did something at uh, Cedar Point up in Sandusky, Ohio, where I ran mm-hmm. a half marathon there, and they packaged the half marathon with this awesome ticket package. And, and it's funny because, I've, you know, you've seen Disney lead the way there. I think Universal's done similar stuff. Are we seeing that now at regional theme parks, Robert, where they're creating these special Disney-ish type events where it's a package deal? Hey, uh, regional theme parks have been ripping off Disney ever since, <laughs> so, you know, Disneyland opened. I mean, uh, that's what really started regional theme parks was everybody wanted their own Disneyland. So, yeah, hey, this is a well-established pattern of whatever whatever the mouse does, everybody else tries to do it, too. But the Run Disney program has been phenomenally successful for Disney. They've now expanded that to pretty much, you know, I don't know if it's all of their parks around the world, but it'll get there eventually. I know it's at Disneyland. I know it's at Disney World, at Disneyland Paris as well. It's taken weekends that used to be completely dead at those parks and made them like Fourth of July packed bring it in huge crowds. So everyone sees that and says, hey, I want a piece of that action too. I mean, there's a huge running community in this country and a lot of them love theme parks too. So why not package the two together and make it a a, um, must do deal for a lot of those fans? Man, I'm on board. Next year, we've already signed up, and, and it's you can't get in it now. We signed up for this thing, the Dopey, where you run the 5K Thursday, you run the you run the uh, 10K Friday, the half marathon Saturday, and the marathon Sunday. And I don't, <laughs> that is appropriately named, isn't I know, it? I know. And and what's funny is I must be dopey because it was only 16 bags of money, Robert, and that didn't include anything but the run. You know, I mean, there wasn't yeah, all the yeah. extra stuff there. Let's talk for a second about food, though. I want to focus. Mm-hmm. On that, because a lot of the time these regional theme parks, well, and you know, Disney and Universal have these food package deals. Is it better for me to buy the package deal, or is that just a way to suck more money out of my pocket? Well, how much are you going to eat? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. If you're a big eater and uh, you can beat them on volume here, you've got some opportunity to save some money. If uh, you're there to ride rides and you're only eating you know, the minimal amount to get you through the day, then no, I don't think uh, one of those uh, dining package deals is really the way to go. Some of them are ridiculously cheap, though. Uh, Six Flags, they sell an annual dining pass. And this is something to look for every year on Labor Day weekend when they announce their new rides for the next season. They run an absolutely ridiculous sale where you can get their gold level annual pass for basically the price of a one-day ticket. Wow. And you can throw in eating all year for the price of a couple of burgers. So if you've got something that's ridiculously low price like that, hey, go for it if you're going to visit the park more than twice a year. Uh, But for most people, unless you're a big eater, you know, do the math on some of these things and see if you're actually going to end up money ahead or not. I asked you this, I think, a couple years ago, and I want to get an update from you. (laughs) I believe you told me that your favorite regional theme park was Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Is that still the case? Yeah, I love that park. It's really got more of that type of uh, well-decorated feel that you expect from a Disney park than a lot of the regional parks. It's got a good selection of family-friendly rides, but some thrills in there, too, and their food's really good. 
And there are a lot of other ones I like. I like Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana. I think that's the best customer service that you're going to find anywhere. Um, if you're in the mood for, for music and live shows, Dollywood in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee is another great park. And if you're a roller coaster fan, obviously, uh, Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio, which you mentioned, and Six Flags Magic Mountain in outside of Los Angeles. Those are the two kind of twin major parks for coaster fans in the country. So there's a lot of options out there for people with varying tastes. Families with younger children, I don't think you and I have ever tackled that. Obviously, Disney's a great place for people with younger kids. But on a regional level or, or well, maybe even on a national level, does Legoland own that? Yeah, absolutely. If you've got kids who are in elementary age, uh, from, from kindergarten to about fifth or maybe sixth grade, uh, Legoland is the place to go. I mean, I'd even rate that above uh, going to Disney oh, for, do you? for kids that, that age because it's just so much more focused for them. Uh, there's so many things that are more active. It's not just waiting in lines for rides that the whole family does. These are things that are really tailored to you, whether it's your kid driving a car around a little mini streetscape. I mean, it's not like Disney where it's on a center rail and you're just going around in a circle or parade. I mean, you're actually making decisions. Do I turn right? Do I turn left? Do I stop at the stop sign? You're really controlling a car. And so it's a lot of kind of active play opportunities like that, which really, I think, appeal. I mean, in my experience, when my kids were that age, that was their favorite park and it wasn't even close. I have I have problems with those driving decisions even here in Texarkana, man. I don't can't imagine with all Absolutely. these little kids driving against me. <laughs> well, if you have one piece of advice here that is different in 2017 versus 2016 for theme parks, Robert, what do you think? It's really just about being patient at this point. I mean, it's not just the patience in the park, but also the patience when you're doing the planning as to take the time to uh, look at all of the available options out there because there are so many. Don't just base your decision on the marketing hype and everybody's doing this. Really take a look and see if you can find the park that you feel is going to appeal most to your family and its interests and look for the deal that you've got there. So, you know, start way in advance, start looking at it. And, you know, planning a vacation for me, that's a lot of part of the fun of it too because, uh, you know, mentally you're already there. You're already on vacation when you're planning it. Uh, so, uh, you know, have the patience to, uh, to uh, get started early and spend the time planning what you're doing. And then when you get to the park, you know, you're there to have fun. Don't get too stressed out about having to follow some particular plan, turn-by-turn instruction on what you're doing in the park. Just just go in there, trust the planning that you've done, and have a lot of fun. No, that's the best advice ever because you and I both see when we go to theme parks, Robert, we see these families that at 4 o'clock in the afternoon look like they're having a miserable time. Because, yeah, because yeah. they're just trying to crack the whip too much. By the way, I happen to know a site. I don't know if you know this site, Robert, where you can do a bunch of that planning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a site called ThemeParkInsider.com. You might want to <laughs> check out at some point. Uh, a lot of planning resources there, and it'll keep you up to date with all the latest news. So you know about stuff like, oh, wow, there's a Star Wars land coming to Disneyland in two years. Maybe I want to start saving up for that. <laughs> right. No, it's great. Not only do I like the the new headlines that come out constantly. I mean, I'm looking today as we're taping. Uh, Disney to offer new Tomorrowland Lounge, Guardians Preview Party, Florida Fails to Learn Disney's Lessons About Investing in Brand Equity, and just on and on. But I tell you what I really like. I like the discussion forums because of the discussions that people have. Like, you, you know, you got a bunch of people that hang out on your site that give great yeah. advice, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a place where we encourage people to post your trip report, share what you've learned from your experience, learn from other people, too. Talk about whatever rumors you've heard about, uh, share advice. 
and just basically, uh, you know, this is your opportunity to enjoy being a theme park fan 24-7, 365 days a year. This isn't something that you have to leave behind when you leave the park. You can still tap into the enjoyment that you feel at a really great park at any time by coming on and being part of the community at Theme Park Insider. Robert Nelson, Theme Park Insider, thanks for helping us kick off summer again. It's going to be a great one, man. Can't wait. Me neither, especially after all the stuff you said. Thanks a ton. <laughs> okay, take care. Hey, trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's time for your favorite part of the show. <laughs> My trivia. Nothing better than your favorite podcast, couple of roller coasters, and one of mom's hot dogs. Oh, hey, there's a there's a trivia question buried in there somewhere. Let me see. Yep, that's it. How many hot dogs do Americans consume between Memorial Day and Labor Day? Here's a hint. It's higher than I could count. I'll tell you that much. You're hoping to be fantastic with your finances. If you want to be great with your money, you should partner with great companies. And SoFi, spelled S-O-F-I, happens to be in the business of greatness, low interest rates, and top-notch service. I'm always interested in finding out how great companies became great. Dan Macklin, co-founder of SoFi, tells us about the early days. Well, the way I got involved, there was a few of us who wanted to think about starting a company in the finance area. And we had some grand ideas, but we needed a, a product that we could bring that to life. And student loans almost just presented itself because we were surrounded by fellow students who had lots of debt. It suddenly became obvious that this was a huge problem, a huge underserved market, and we could really help a lot of people by giving better student loans and student loan refinancing. But no frat house, no alcohol? There was a bit of alcohol involved along the way, of course, of course. But, but yeah, the rest, the rest is history. So regardless of alcohol, SoFi is your number one choice to refinance your student loans. Whether it's a plus, parent, or personal student loan, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. And if you use our link to refinance those student loans or take out a personal loan to handle that credit card debt, they're going to throw in $100 just because you're friends with us. Great people stick together, don't they? Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. Hey, stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler. Or is that what, just me? Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine, using the same credit card from the same bank just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from Magnify Money explains why. I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a, a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign-on bonuses that are out there. Uh, Chase just recently had 100000 on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where credit cards are, are extremely profitable for large banks, um, and they are really wanting to get more customers, and so they're, they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say if, you're, you, if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today. So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use MagnifyMoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit stackcombedjamins.com forward slash Money. Welcome back, trivia fans. Today's trivia question, if you're like Gertrude down at the Sizzler and can't even remember the name of your last husband, 
don't worry, because old Doug's got you covered. Here was the question. How many hot dogs do Americans consume collectively between Memorial Day and Labor Day? The answer, seven billion. Yep, that's Bill Yon with a big, fat, juicy capital B on the front of it. I'm not going to lie, that is a lot of hot dogs, which makes me wonder. I know Joe talks about movies, but have you seen the one about the hot dog? I've heard it was an Oscar wiener. <laughs> I'm killing me. I'm killing me. I'll be here all week. Tip your waiters. See ya. I was off by a factor of 100. I, I think, said 78 million and it was 7 billion. So. Well, that's okay. I think Doug's joke was off by a factor of a bajillion. Yes. Yeah. Not, not good. Nobody's laughing, Doug. Big, big thanks to Robert Niles, Mr. Theme Park Insider. Have you ever been to the Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, his favorite park? Uh, nope. I went to Bush Gardens in Orlando, but I was a kid. Yeah, I've never been to that one either. Kid, kid, kid. And, and I like his advice about Legoland. I've never been to Legoland, but for families with younger kids, man, mm-hmm. he's, he's all about that. Long time ago, I went to Legoland. I remember that. Good stuff. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're disrupting life insurance industry by focusing on those two things that you value most. What are those two things, OG? Money and time. And that's why they've created the only affordable term life insurance policy you can purchase entirely online without a medical exam. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to learn more about life insurance the modern way, to get a free quote, that's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today, we're going to send out the Haven Lifeline to our good friend, Emily. Say hello, Emily. Hi, Joe and OG. I was hoping that you guys could help me understand my boyfriend's job. So he actively trades on the stock market for a living. His family members do this as well, and they all seem to be fairly successful. From what I've understood, it seems like you can't make money beating the stock market reliably, and it makes me a little bit concerned for his job, but it's a fairly new relationship, so thought I'd give it a chance, not judge, and come to my favorite personal finance podcast to see if you guys could help me understand whether it is actually possible in some cases to beat the stock market and make a living doing so. Thanks. Bye. Wow, how about that, Emily? Emily doing uh, some checkup on just the just new a boyfriend. little uh, just a little back testing on the old uh, the old ball and chain. Well, not I guess not ball and chain. New ball and chain. New ball and chain. Yeah, yeah, new ball kind and chain. Sort of. Well, you know what, Emily? People say that you can't predict where the stock market's going using astrology either, right? And clearly, you can do that. People say that you can't uh, find water with sticks. You can do that. Never heard that one. No, no, with the divining rod thing, you know, with the sticks. You've never seen that? Nope. Are you kidding me? No idea what you're talking about. You're, you are not kidding. Yeah, look that one up on the internet. There's these people. No, they, I'm good. They find water with sticks. Okay. Uh, anyway. So the question is, can you beat the stock market? Sure. People beat the stock market all the time. People do. So when we talk about it in the context of personal financial planning, we're talking about beating the stock market reliably, which is tough to do, and predicting who that person is going to be in advance. So when you're thinking about investing your money for the future and you're going to entrust it with someone else, let's say that you're going to buy a mutual fund or an ETF, an exchange traded fund or an index fund, right? You're basically saying, I am going to give this other person or this other place the authority to take my money and try to make it into more money, right? 
And so when we talk about it in terms of beating the stock market, we're saying that it's highly irregular to do so. Less than 15% of people do it. It's impossible to predict who's going to do it in advance, which as an investor in that person, you don't know whether or not they're going to do well. And more specifically, it costs money to do that. Yeah, and that's, so, that's the key. So, so that's the biggest piece. If it didn't cost any money to try to beat the stock market, well, heck, we might as well try to do it, right? So there are people that can do it. There are people that can do it successfully year after year after year. But there's no proof, there's no statistical proof anyway, to suggest that just because you did it the last 15 years that you'll do it tomorrow or the next 15 or the next six months or whatever the case may be. And there are very gifted traders. And so I think what you know, what the difference here is, is that there's a difference between being a successful investor long-term and being a successful trader. And there's very successful traders all up and down Wall Street and families that are very good at it. I met a, I met a client that um, that's what he did for work. It was a potential client. That's what he said. He said, can you beat this? And I said, good God, no. No. I mean, he was doing 23% a year over the last uh, you know, 15 years in his money. But that's what he did. That was his job. He sat and traded oil back and forth. So if you've got a really small niche, you know, if you're really focused on trading Apple stock or soybean futures or oil, I'm sure you can make money doing that. Absolutely. There's a great book that I like uh, if you're fascinated by traders called Stock Market Wizards. What's interesting about Stock Market Wizards is it shows some of these people that have had a history of beating the stock market. And what's funny is a few things. Number one, their discipline, the discipline to the machine that they've built, and then also the discipline to change the machine when the machine's no longer working. Because what happens is they'll come up with an idea and it'll win for a while. And then they'll have the discipline to change only when they have empirical proof that it hasn't worked for a set period of time. And when you look at the average person who tries to do trading, it's interesting. They use no discipline. It's highly emotional. And they're not using numbers, methodology, facts, anything. Just, just I think this is a good stock. My buddy says that's a good stock and does horribly. But the second thing is, is how much these people charge. Uh, some of these big time hedge fund people that have a long history, the people you talk about, OG, they will split the profits with you 50-50. Or at least 80-20, where you get 80 and they get 20. Yeah. And even if they don't make money, they'll still keep a massive amount of cash just for trying. Yeah. I mean, some big, 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 big fees being paid out to the people that can actually do that now. But if you're doing it if you're doing it yourself and that's your full-time job all day, I don't know if boyfriend's that guy or not, but those people do exist, I think is your point. Yeah, and in our context, when we talk about not beating the market, it has to do with you relying on somebody else right. to do it yeah. for your retirement and Agreed. the cost associated with it. The benefit cost analysis there suggests, well, I shouldn't I shouldn't pay extra for that when it's hard to predict in advance or impossible to. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a, it's not a saw. I mean- there's yeah. people that win all the time at poker too. You know, they're just really good at it. Sorry, we can't break you up with your new boyfriend if that's yeah, what sorry. she was looking. He, he might be a keeper. Hashtag keeper. <laughs> Hashtag trader keeper. I don't trader keeper. Yeah, Isn't that the thing you took to school when you were in elementary school? As a trapper. Keeper. Trapper keeper. That's what that was. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for yeah. the question. Gosh, we never got those. OG's mom was. They were too, not interested. They were too expensive. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they broke, and they're plastic, and. If you've got a question you'd like us to throw out the Haven Lifeline to you, it's stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. 
and we're happy to answer your question. I think we have about four in the queue as we record today's episode. We also get letters down here, and we have about 67 of those in the queue. Today's letter comes to us from Stephanie. Stephanie says, I'm a young first-time home buyer in Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> Go Blue! <laughs> Oh, she says, sorry, not sorry, Joe. Go blue. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, Stephanie, we can't answer your question today. We ran out of time. Look at the time. So if you've got... (laughs) All right. All right. We'll do it. I have about $50,000 in a savings account, about $100,000 invested in low-cost exchange-traded funds through Fidelity. Should I sell my exchange-traded funds to make a larger down payment on my home therefore having less debt and potentially having greater leverage or leave my investments to continue compounding and pay more each month for a longer period of time. Does having a large down payment affect what type of mortgage I should have fixed versus adjustable rate? Thanks, Stephanie. Great question from Stephanie. Uh, nice job on saving, by the way, Stephanie, even though you live in Ann Arbor. I mean, uh-huh. I think <laughs> I want to correct one of the things that she said in her note here. If I paid more down, I would have more leverage. If you paid she means less leverage. Less down, you would have more leverage. Yeah. You would be more levered, I guess. Yeah. If, if Anyway, but that's uh, semantics, I guess. This is a resounding absolutely not. Traditionally, well, again, depending on how... No, this, no, I'm, no, I'm putting my stake in the ground, Joe. And you can come and move the stake if you want, but I'm damn it. I'm hammering this thing in I'm, and then you I'm can about do to, I'm about to, because I think there's an exception, but you might be covering it. So I'm assuming that your money's invested in long-term type investment portfolio. If so, we can assume that you're going to earn somewhere in that uh, 8 to 12% range. Historical average ESP is 10. So let's say 10. I'm assuming that you're going to buy a reasonably priced home that's within your budget and that you can afford it and uh, that you're going to get a nice fixed rate mortgage uh, somewhere around 4%. So if I've got a 10% bucket of money and a 4% cost associated with it, uh, I'm going to take that take that all day long. That's not that's not gambling at all. Now, I do want to put 20% down. I'm not going to put 2% down or 3% down. Put my 20% down and uh, I'm going to leave my money invested and off to the races. I think that everything you said is correct except if cash flow is an issue. But well, if said that, you're going to make a reasonable house purchase. Yes. Yeah. You're making $50,000 a year and you're trying to buy a $700,000 house. Not a, not no. No do not pass go. I mean, the banks won't let you do that anyway. Right, right. Just, just don't do it. But also, assume you don't have any other debt, right? If you got a hundred grand in your in your investment account and you've got forty thousand dollars in consumer debt, credit cards are cars. We we won't take care of that too. And her last question: fixed versus adjustable. In this fixed. market, there is no reason to take out an adjustable loan. I can't think of a reason why. If you're going to buy a house, it's purely gambling at this point. If you do the adjustable thing, you're going. I'm just going to gamble. Yeah, don't do that. With fixed rates being so low take the fixed rate loan. And it really isn't that big of a difference, right? You go, well, I'm going to get adjustable for 2.8, fixed for 4.1. Yeah. And save a few bucks. Just, nah. And look at the 15 year, look at the 30. And if they're close, like you said, leave your money invested, go with the 30. That'll keep the payment a little lower too. And then- inv- and Pay the 15 year payment into a brokerage account, a separate, separate investment account so that when you get to the 15 year mark and you want to cut a check, pay the thing off. You got all you the, money the money sitting right there. there. Ready to go. Good stuff. That's the Stacking Benjamins way there, Stephanie. Thanks for the question. If you've got a question, I'd encourage you to go to Stephanie's going to be down in uh, Dallas in a couple of months with uh, Michigan playing Florida to open the college football season. Uh, Michigan getting crushed by Florida. Is that what you said? 
Yeah, that's not going to happen. Stackyourbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail to call the Haven Lifeline. If you've got an email for us, it's joe at stackybenjamins.com. Or you know what you do? Just head to Stacky Benjamins and on the top there, you'll see question for the show, question mark, and you'll see both of those, the Haven Lifeline and the place to uh, send us a letter. Thanks to everybody, by the way, who's left us a review of this here show. We're so grateful for people that uh, take the time to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever they listen to podcasts. It just It's great to hear people and what they think about the show that helps us get new listeners also this is one hero g that's going up on mom's fridge it's a hashtag stacky credit five stars might of the trinity uh, wrote this amazing show love the diversity of your topics and how you guys break down nuances i'm a joe sell fan see that's why i like this one right here i'm a joe sell fan but og you're the two <laughs> i'm a part of the fincon facebook group and I'm looking forward to Dallas this year. By the way, the FinCon that they're talking about, that's a big convention for financial writers and financial peeps. And I'm the MC of FinCon for the third year this year. I'll be emceeing FinCon. Can't wait to... Still haven't found anybody, yeah. Still haven't found a, a suitable replacement. Uh, yeah, can't believe I kept that gig for that long. But uh, looking forward to Dallas this year, which is where FinCon's going to be. It says, see you there, Joe. By the way, will OG be there? Are you are you going to go to FinCon? I think you might make an appearance this year, won't you? It depends on the day. Depends on the day. That's his way of saying, uh, ask mom. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm allowed. Notice how the conference isn't somewhere way far away. It's in Dallas. So now I can magically get invited to it. Right. But if we had a, if we had a conference in, I don't know, sunny San Diego or... Maybe if we had an event up in New York City, well, my my invitation goes missing. Isn't that but, weird? Uh, Those plane tickets are expensive, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, when it's just a drive from the basement over to Dallas, that's not that tough. Uh, it says, much thanks to your diligence and expertise, Cameron. Thanks, Cameron, for that. See that going up on the fridge? If you could take the time to leave us a review, that helps new people know what they're getting into with the Stacking Benjamin Show. Also, if you're somebody looking for help beyond what we do on our letter segment, OG's taking clients. And so if you think you need good help in your corner, stackybedjamins.com forward slash letter O and letter G to get a hold of the OG. And that'll get you onto his calendar. And then you can have a meeting about what it would take to hire OG. That's going to do it, man, for today. You're done for the week. I am back on Friday with a fantastic roundtable. We've got two great guests joining us on Friday, along with Len Penzo. Our friend Jamila from uh, Journey to Launch is going to be here. Get this. She and her husband, they saved $85,000 last year. $85,000 they saved, Jamila and her husband. So I met her at uh, the Think Conference that we talked about on Monday with credit unions. And then also Mr. Retirement Manifesto himself, uh, Fritz Gilbert going to join us and Len Penzo as well. Great roundtable topics and going to have a lot of fun. And the evil HR lady is in the uh, HR segment in the middle. We got a question for the evil HR lady and she knocks it out of the park. That's it. Memorial Day weekend. Make sure you download episodes to take us with you and uh, go stack some Benjamins. See everybody back here Friday. What did we learn today? Well, first, if you're headed to a theme park, check for discounts. Between the auto club, your local credit union, and discount websites, you're nearly certain to score a deal with the regional parks. Second, hoarding money while everyone's different. Remember, 
that it's the journey that matters and dying with more cash doesn't necessarily make you the winner. Financial planning is often about fun today and fun tomorrow. But the big lesson? If you're hitting up a theme park or two this summer, don't ask Gertrude to go on the Tunnel of Love boat ride with you. Some people just don't know how to respect personal boundaries. It was scary. Special thanks to Robert Niles for joining us for his annual What's New with Theme Parks visit. You'll find tips and money-saving tricks at his website, themeparkinsider.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to Joe's mom for offering to take us to the beach, but I forgot my Speedo. What are you doing with your phone? Looking at it to talk about what I was going to talk about. Oh, so what are you going to talk about? So I just saw this uh, tweet from a blogger about there's going to be a total eclipse. Total eclipse of the heart? Bonnie Raitt talked about that. No, the sun actually. Of the sun. Yes, in August. In August. And so it's got a list of 10 great spots across the country where you can see the total eclipse. Snake River Valley, Idaho, Casper, Wyoming, St. Joseph, Missouri, Nashville, Tennessee. Kind of some cool places. Columbia, South Carolina, Smoky Martins National Park. Ooh, that would be cool, wouldn't it? So it's in August. I don't know. We might uh, we might have to make a little day trip. Take a road trip. To go watch a two-minute solar eclipse. <laughs> yeah. I got a movie to talk about often here at the end of the show. If you're new to the Stacky Benjamin show, we'll talk about movies that we've seen or video games or the eclipse or whatever is non-financial related. This movie has been in theaters, probably in dollar theaters and second run theaters. But this movie stars uh, Chris Evans and was called Gifted. Please don't make me go. You can keep homeschooling me. 
tell you everything I know. No more argument, okay? We've discussed this ad nauseum. What's ad nauseum? You don't know? Wow, looks like someone needs school. Tell me what three plus three is. Everyone knows it's six. Barry, can you stand up, please? Can you tell me what 57 multiplied by 135 is? Okay. Who 7,695. The square root is 87.7. And change. Now, what does ad nauseum mean? If you like the movie uh, 500 Days of Summer, uh, this is by the same uh, people that brought you that several years ago. It's about this girl who is uh, incredibly gifted, which is where they came up with the name. Isn't that crazy? And a person that you find out very early on is her uncle. And you don't know the story. You kind of learn the story about why she's living with her uncle. And then you also find out that um, there are other people trying to get her. and To get um, her? To get her, Yes. And I was so, going to say, that sounded like an audio tape from when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the square root of, uh, yeah. You know what you would have said to that? You would have said, to pull my finger, teacher. <laughs> no, I wouldn't know. <laughs> no, no. So in this film, it actually centers around, a, it's a courtroom drama halfway through. Oh, okay. Yeah, very much a courtroom drama. And it's a custody fight between him trying to hold on to his niece and uh, the other the other people, I really don't want to spoil who it is and what's going on because I think that's a big the aliens. It's a big part of the story. Here's here's what's frustrating for me is that a couple of weeks ago I talked about Colossus, the movie with Jason Sudeikis and Anne Hathaway about the big monster that's that's crushing Seoul, Korea. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah, and how but it's it, her. Yeah, it got a, a good Rotten Tomato score. This one had a sixty four. That one had like a seventy eight. I like this movie way better. Unbelievably better. I don't understand why the Rotten Tomato score is so low. Maybe people think that it's a little, it's a little, um, I don't know, a little, little bit of a, I don't know, tearjerker, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's a good, solid movie about um, the power of love. How about that for the Velveeta cheese version? But Gifted is a movie that if you can rent it, I would totally rent it. I actually think you'd really like this movie, OG. Sounds like something I would. Yeah, Chris Evans. McKenna Grace plays the girl. Lindsay Duncan, who's shown up in a lot of things. She's on the latest series, uh, Sherlock, season four. Uh, she's there. Octavia Spencer is in this film as well. And uh, Jenny Slate plays the teacher for McKenna Grace. So good cast, fun show, gifted, big thumbs up from me. I've got one real quick. You want to do another one? You know what? Let's do it next Monday. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses. 
to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.